This is the Shift Podcast. Coming up on the Shift Podcast today, Diane Francis chats about Facebook's early investors and their strong ties to Russia and how Facebook has been modeled off of that culture, not American culture. Steve Stebbing, what the hell should we watch on this long weekend? We chat about Army of the Dead, Bloodthirsty, both scary by the way, not my style, The Father, and more, Are You Okay? with doorbell cameras that catch your boyfriend or girlfriend in an embarrassing moment. Are you okay? Are you okay with doorbell cameras? For me to see out, yes. But for them to see me, no. I know that's hypocritical, but no. That's a very unflattering angle. Somebody comes in and rings your doorbell and gets to see inside your house. That's weird. Oh, you mean like when you go to the door? Yeah, when when I'm at someone else's Uh, door. Yeah. Misunderstood. Uh, Ryan, what do you think? Doorbell cams okay? They're useful, especially in the age of uh, your porch pirates. Uh, Mm -hmm. But we're everywhere um i i don't have one because i live in an apartment but i imagine when i do get my first home that is something i will invest in well it seems smart and responsible you can see outside much like a better view of the peephole and a lot of those cameras are censored with motion and sound and all those things. So I know my buddy Daryl's place, uh, his goes off as soon as someone comes up to the door. He gets uh, two things. He gets a bing bing on his phone, and then he gets the alert if the doorbell rings. So, you know, super handy, right? Well, I would like to preface this story by saying this audio that you will hear is the real audio from the doorbell camera. We are not low picking our fruit in an effort to make a joke this is the actual audio of what happened so i just want to say that so you know that it is real audio so have you ever been caught doing something dumb by your significant other fair question most people have if you have sure you can text it in too yeah 877-399-9898 Maybe we'll get that answer in a second from Ryan. But the guy in the doorbell cam video has. He went outside. He went outside his girlfriend's parents' house. He went to meet them. And then he went outside. And he needed to relieve himself. Trying to be polite. So, front door. No one's around. Feeling a little gassy. What happened was... He alerted their audio-sensitive doorbell camera and got recorded. Can you, can you throw it in there? <laughs> wow, he, he, he was holding that one at the dinner table. He was. <laughs> so he was meeting the parents, and he tries to be polite. Because he's got some gas. So he goes out the front door and passes his gas. Now, here's the thing. I need to describe for you the video. Because not only 
does he go outside to do this? And you can tell it's not faked. Here's why. Number one, he does the wave. He does the butt wave, like he waves his hand behind his butt to try to air it out. Like, much like a smoker who has a dart and then walks in and you can still smell the smoke. If you go outside and sometimes if you got to let one go, you let it go, but you got to wait because it'll linger and you don't want to bring it back with you and make it obvious. So he waves. He does the butt wave. And in addition to the butt wave, he is working so hard to be polite and respectful to his potential new in-laws. He also does the, uh, he's wearing like a cargo short. He does like the pant leg waffle. And he waffles the pant legs to air out the pant legs so he also does not get any lingering to bring it back in the house. All of that happens in the video. With the wave, the pant leg waffle, got to air it out. And then, I'm assuming, goes back inside. But here's the thing. He set off the audio sensor and the motion sensor on the doorbell camera. It recorded the whole thing. So now with that's what happened, he's waving, he's waffling, he's trying to sneak it out. Can you play the audio one more time, please, sir? Can you, can you throw it in there? <laughs> What a what a wonderful <laughs> fart that was. I hope if they get married, I hope that plays at their wedding. You know, like the dad does the, does the nice speech and then he goes, oh, by the way, this happened when I first met you. He plays that in front of like 100 people. That Hold on to that forever. Can you imagine? Hey, babe, why did you really go outside? Remember when you went outside the front door? Why did you really go outside? And then he's at a crossroads. He's like, oh, I just needed to get something. Like, oh, really? Or he's like, babe, I just, like, I had gas and I really need to do something. About it. Yeah, my parents recorded it and they have a video. <laughs> I must wow. give him respect for the finish, though. I give him give respect for that and the fact that he went outside in the first place. That is a very Absolutely. gentlemanly thing to do. Well done, sir. Mm -hmm. Well done. And Absolutely. the results benefit everyone because mm -hmm. it's hilarious. There are many wives right now who are listening to the shift saying, I wish my husband would at least get up and go outside for some sort of strange reason to, you know, not napalm the living room. <laughs> so he's doing good napalm. things. He's got a bright future. He Like he's working. I mean, that's the trying. He's trying. A for effort. Participation medal for you, my friend. And that will also, uh, you will never escape that story. Our next Are You Okay? We should start with an out of context. In the criminal justice system, the people are represented by two separate but equally important groups. The police who investigate the crimes and the district attorneys who prosecute the offenders. These are their stories. He wrapped his belt around his own neck. It looks like a classic case of autoerotic asphyxiation. Yeah, it looks like everybody's tightening their belts in this economy. Bum, bum, dum, 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 dum. <laughs> that's Steve Carell. Yeah, that's The Office. Oh, good. Are you okay? Are you okay with Law & Order? I'm okay with Michael Scott's interpretation of law and order there. I've ne I don't think I've ever watched an episode, honestly. Uh, 
I like the Law and Order. I like the idea of there being a show like that, though. And it's had a very obvious, massive effect on TV for years. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. It's a good show. I like the show. Well, there was a story earlier in the week about an 11-year-old girl who fought off an attempted kidnapping in Florida. It was very hard to watch. Uh, she says she used a little trick that she learned from Law & Order Special Victims Unit, Law & Order SVU, in a move that made it easy for her to uh, for police to find her slimy attacker. Video captured from the girl's bus stop on Tuesday showed her resisting a man who tried to carry her to his SUV in a brief but fierce battle that ended up with a suspect giving up and fleeing the scene. What the video didn't show was the girl's clever effort to mark the man with a blue slime, a homemade toy that she had been playing with before the attack. Police later noticed the slime on the suspect when they showed up to arrest him. Here's Mro from the Today Show. Alyssa says she knew to get the blue slime on her attacker because of one of her favorite shows she watches with her mom. A little show called Law and Order SVU. But I knew that that might be better evidence for if the cops do find them. Turns out she was right. The victim at the time of the attempted abduction was playing with blue slime. The suspect, when we caught him, had blue slime all over his own arms. Authorities praising Alyssa for her incredible bravery. I'm not so sure if she actually comprehends exactly what could have happened. And she fought like a trooper. Uh, should give proper proper credit there for M-R-O-E, the Today Show. Just That's nice. a typo. Jared Paul Stanga. He's 30 years old. He's been charged with the uh, with the crime, the attempted kidnapping of a child under 13, and aggravated assault with a deadly weapon and battery. Jail records show that that's what he got charged with. He's being held on $1.5 million bond. The girl, unharmed. She's undergoing counseling. She's recovering from her brush with danger. But her decisions in that moment confirmed the evidence in him getting charged. That's so crazy. Absolutely remarkable. And it was important. Like it was not okay to watch the camera footage. It was not cool. So I, if you do want to go look that one up, I do say it with, um, do it cautiously, please. Uh, okay. Let's get into the uh, first one here. Are you okay with scented candles? Yeah. Yeah. So based upon the time that we live in now, the era of COVID, uh, every time I have like a hypochondria moment and think I have COVID, I always have this scented candle right next to my bed, which I immediately smell because I'm like, oh, the sense of smell is still there. Okay. Maybe uh, it's just allergies. Oh. Maybe I'm just tired. So it's I actually like quite them. smart. Yeah. Yeah. Not Good bad. idea. Uh, I don't know. Maybe this is the candle that you have next to your bed. Uh, maybe it is. I, it could be. We won't judge. Gwyneth Paltrow's lifestyle company, Goop is being sued after a man alleged one of his scented candles exploded. His candle is one of the uh, infamous now vagina-scented candles from Goop. Oh, no. No, They're no. They're back. Uh, see, my, mine is vanilla. Ah. Yeah. Okay. Different. Good. Colby Watson from... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I tried hard to, to keep a straight. It's hard to, hard to keep a straight face with this one. 
Colby Watson from Texas told NBC he bought the infamous $75 This Smells Like a v- My Vagina candle from Goop's website in January. A, Colby, what are you doing? Um, not long after a woman in the UK alleged her vagina candle exploded, after burning it for about three hours on his bedside table, he alleged the candle exploded and became engulfed in high flames, according to a court document. He said the blaze left a black burn ring on his bedside table. Are you sure? You can do it. The, the candle jar was charred and black. However, no injuries were reported. The complainant seeking a jury trial and triple compensation as well as punitive damages of more than $5 million for him and others who, through no fault of their own, purchased defective and dangerous vagina-scented candles. The court... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I hope the five million dollars is to um, to help cover the fact that um, this is what he's doing. Goop website tells users not to burn the candle for more than two hours, and the company has claimed uh, called the claim frivolous. Here is Gwyneth Paltrow explaining the magnificent lore and history behind the vagina candle to Seth Meyers. So it sort of started as a joke. We were, I was with the nose, Douglas Little for his brand Heretic, and we were kind of messing around. And uh, I smelled this beautiful thing, and I was like, this smells like my vagina. <laughs> and I was kidding, obviously. Um, and we were on mushrooms. And, no, we weren't, we weren't on mushrooms. We weren't. We weren't. Yeah. But um, so then it actually became kind of a funny thing where it was, A, really funny to us. Yeah. Um, but also a little bit punk rock and, you know, I mean, I think women, uh, a lot of us have grown up feeling certain degrees of shame around our body or whatever. So this is just a little bit of a, you know, subversive candle for all of us out there. And I have to uh, uh, tip my cap to the marketing of it because I will say in my entire life, uh, I've never heard more people say, have you heard about this candle? <laughs> That's true. Wow. I mean, she has some decent points about like why that candle's kind of cool, but at the same yep. time, stop yourself and ask, is this really what I want to be selling? But to be fair, Goop also at one point sold a uh, vampire repellent spray. So they are shameless in what they're willing to sell. It's kind of like one of those, uh, my understanding and from what I've seen on that website, it's kind of like some of those herbal places that say, hey, by the way, this is going to kill you, but I have this remedy for $17.99, right? And they scare the crap out of you. Uh, can we do this one real quick? I think we can. Hey, sure. Are you okay? Are you okay with buying a new car? I'm not into new cars. Give me not one really. Couple years I can't now. afford it. I would like to one day. Yes. Ryan bought a new Ferrari in digital form. It's it's the closest I'm ever going to get. So might as well enjoy it in my video game. Somebody must have really wanted a new car in Pittsburgh. Authorities say someone crashed their car into a we buy any car building, taking out a corner of the structure on Thursday morning. (laughs) The car ended up. The car ended up partially inside the We Buy Any Car building on West Liberty Avenue in uh, the city's Beachview neighborhood. Bricks toppled on the car's windshield and scattered all over the sidewalk. Um, Here's more from 11 News. 
This all happened around 4.40 this morning. When fire emergency crews first got to the scene, they say no one was in the car. They looked inside and they saw that both airbags were deployed, which is why they think that there was more than one person in this vehicle. Pittsburgh police are now going around to local hospitals to see if anyone checked in because they also say they found a significant amount of blood inside of the car. Now, the building inspector was out here, did check out the building and said that it will stay standing because of how it was hit on this side. No word if they bought the car. <laughs> you get to keep really the car. wanted to get rid of that one. If, if the, the car comes in, in your, yeah, it's like yours now. Mm, I would be say the rule. there is, I, I, I don't disagree. I would say there is probably a good chance that the car would not be drivable after plowing through the side of a we will buy any car building. Huh. They didn't say we will buy any drivable car, in all fairness. Oh, good point. This is the Shift Podcast. This week, last week on the Shift, we've spoken about Facebook. We've spoken about privacy on your iPhone and Apple blocking a lot of that stuff off. To me, this is really good news. Now, and the irony is, is that as a business person, I like the metrics. I like the analytics. I like to see all of this info. I guess I just don't trust some of these other businesses. Diane Francis um, is here. Diane, a writer. I like to call you an investigative writer. Um, and so that's really cool to me, Diane. Is that like I imagine you like like sitting down and like digging deep into the into the paperwork old school style. How does that work? Oh yeah, that's what I do. Yeah, hey. Like you're a mom. You must have been like a really really hard mom like when your kids would be like, "We're going out to bowling." And you're like, "Are you going to a party?" And you're like, "No, we're just going to go to the park." Like the investigative part of you in parenting must have been amazing. No, I don't think it spilled over. I think <laughs> I, I don't think so. You know, you know, you know, my son, Eric, is a pretty loose guy. He's, He's awesome. Cool cat. So, you know, I was doing my thing and I let them do their thing. Oh, pretty wicked stuff. Yes. And I do. Uh, I do admire your son. He's fantastic. And he's been a colleague for a long time. Okay, Diane. Uh, Diane has a Substack, And if you don't know what Substack is, it's like a subscription. It's kind of like your own newspaper, really. It's an online series of articles you could subscribe to. You get a newsletter, you get a freebie in it. It's pretty great. I subscribe to it. I love it. And uh, it's sort of what investigative people are doing today to get their stuff out there. It's dianefrancis.substack.com. So check it out. One of the pieces you wrote a few weeks ago, I want to talk about it, Diane, is Facebook. We've been talking about it on the show about how Apple's been holding back some of the analytics. Your story about Facebook is about Facebook money. What have you found? Well, I, I wrote this piece, uh, as you say, a few, a few weeks ago when uh, Facebook decided to uh, uh, cut off its service to Australia when Australia decided that maybe they should be paid for you know, the, maybe that newspapers that Facebook's content is used uh, should be paid for their content. And so they got their knickers in a twist and they got really angry and and they just shut down the service. I mean, it's unprecedented. It was very, very arch, very arrogant. And I think it really had its roots in the fact that, well, uh, Mark Zuckerberg looks like the, you know, clean cut boy next door. This guy had some pretty malevolent backers in the beginning of Facebook who actually established 
the business model that's made him a billionaire many times over and them. Uh, so I sort of decided to regurgitate what I'd known about all of that. And the truth is that Facebook, uh, you know, Zuckerberg is, is, a, is a nerd. He's a geek. He came up with technology, but he didn't really have a business idea um, and he didn't know what to do with it. So he, he found a backer um, and uh, Yuri Milner, very close friend of Mr. Putin in Russia, and was working on behalf of and using the money of a very uh, controversial, shall we say, oligarch in Russia, um, and one of the richest men in the world, Asmanov. And so he came over to Silicon Valley and started to make investments in these various startup companies like Twitter, like just about all of them, LinkedIn and Facebook. But with Facebook, he became friends with Zuckerberg and actually gave him the idea that made them all phenomenally wealthy. And that was, it was an idea taken from a uh, internet service provided in, in Russia. And it was done in a Russian way. In other words, it's exactly what Facebook is now. And I like to say it's a business model based on espionage and propaganda. And that's exactly the Russian model. The Russian model, of course, uh, was to feed information about anybody on the internet, what they were saying and doing, back to the government, the KGB, whatever. And, and that was the espionage part. Uh, but the propaganda part was it was also uh, a megaphone for the, for the commies and, and the Russians to you know, spread disinformation, misinformation, uh, or propaganda of other kinds on the internet to the people that had signed up for this service. I think it was called VBR or something. It's still going in Russia. So, you know, what he did was he said, hey, we're making a fortune in Russia because we're gathering this information. We're selling all this personal espionage gathered information on our users to advertisers. And they're paying us a fortune to target people with their propaganda not only government propaganda, but you know, advertising is propaganda, let's face it. So this was the model and this is what Facebook became. And then there was a lot of permutations of Facebook. Mr. Milner had a lot of fun with valuations of it. And, he, and, and you know, there was a lot of skullduggery that I uncovered years ago as to uh, the fact that they were saying they had uh, they wanted to sell the stock for a certain price based on the fact they had, you know, 600 million uh, active users. And, you know, I questioned that. It was never audited. Uh, it was not a figure. It would be like accepting a gold mining company's shares uh, who said they found a million ounces of gold. Well, there's a process. There's audits and so on. So this was what Facebook was pulling off. And I know it was the Russians who wanted to jam the stock up make it go public and blow out for billions of dollars in profits. And that's exactly what they did. I sort of, I interrupted it a bit because I wrote a column saying, you know what? I, I see this 600 million users. I don't believe it because I'll tell you what I did. I looked at my Facebook page, which has been dormant, has been sitting there for four years. I, char I, I was told to, to get a page and never did anything. I don't, I don't like Facebook. And Lo and behold, there were 30 of my 30 of my identities with a so-called username 
They all were me. And so they had robotized and created 30 users under my name. And that, I argued, meant that they were defrauding the stock markets and the public in terms of this unaudited figure about 600 million users. It's very convoluted and complicated, but that's the bottom line. What happened was when that column ran, it went all over the trading sites in the United States. People started to get very upset and they interrupted the public offering. And they came back a few months later and said, oh yeah, you know what? We did say there were more users than there actually are. And so they came up with another fictitious number, also probably unaudited and too high, and it proceeded to sell. But, you know, and then after that, after their new number, I went back and guess what? There were still 30 of me listed as a Facebook user. So they were playing games and nobody can convince me otherwise. And I don't like the company. I think it's, it's very immoral. I think that the fact that they are espionage and propaganda came true. We saw that they have been spying on people, selling information to all kinds of wacky organizations, to the Russians, to the Chinese, to whoever wants to pay so that they can throw their propaganda at, at the, the users. They've also made some very nasty bargains with certain countries with uh, despotic leaders. Uh, they even, Mark Zuckerberg was so eager to get into the gigantic Chinese market with Facebook that he devised censorship tools for the Chinese government. So, uh, by the way, they turned them down. But the point was that, you know, they'll do anything. I think it's a pretty ruthless and I think a an unethical business model. Well, some specific examples of what you speak of, of course, was the connection to Canada with the Cambridge Analytica, which was, uh, you know, bleeding data all over the place. Uh, we've heard about that one in the news. And you said about uh, the gold example. We also remember that one from the 90s with Briex. So, I mean, those would be really connective examples of manipulation and how you just can't go fake it and then sell it. Here's the thing, Diane, that we just found out this week here on The Shift. So, you know about the pipeline hack last week down in America. Yes. And the company uh, that debt was hired to do that, um, which is just like basically a hacking organization that did it. So then what they found in the code, it was reported to us from one of our technological people, is that they believe that one of the uh, secrets of that code was written in there is it goes into the computer and it actually looks for a Russian keyboard setting. So if you have a Russian keyboard setting on your computer, so you can type in Russian alphabet, that would actually stop that virus from infecting that computer because just in case you were a friend... So just so that in case that virus somehow got moved accidentally to a computer of a Russian person or Russian military or a Russian um, uh, political person, it would not get infected because it has a Russian keyboard built into it. Now, because that's been figured out, they um, they figure that it's possible to find another way to do that. But imagine that. Imagine if it's true, the assertion that this kind of infiltration into our computers and digital infiltration is as deep as a virus that says, wait, you speak Russian? Oh, you're not a bad guy. Well, it is true. And by the way, on the website of the gang, 
Uh, in fact, I'd like to, to direct people to go to dianefrancissubstack.com and look at a story I did last week called Putin Punks America. Putin's fingerprints are all over that hack, that oil, oil, uh, oil pipeline hack in the United States. His fingerprints are all over it. And if you went to the website, which was in the dark web of the gang that was supposedly behind it called, I think, the dark side, mm -hmm. um, you could see that they were saying that they would not, uh, they, they were only going after English language companies to do ransomware. That's what their, their whole intention was. And then it, it was found out that they were, they were operating out of Russia. Well, you do not operate in that line of work out of Russia without the permission of the KGB and Mr. Putin. They know everything that's going on. So they're doing this under the safety net of, of you know, the government. And, and, and then they pretend that they, it's a sort of a plausible deniability game and, and it's, it's all Putin's dirty work. And this is not just the only company. Uh, the, the piece I did in Substack called Putin Punks America uh, also has a chart as to the number of hacks and all of the details. Now, to even thumb his nose more at the stupidity of all of us, you know, the Russians said, well, we don't know anything about this, which is a lie. The next thing they said was a couple of days later, well, gee, the dark side decided to disband. They're no longer in business, so it's all sorted out. Well, that's ridiculous. You know, that's, you know, one guy named Sergei with a computer and another guy named Ivan with a computer. And all he said was, okay, Ivan, they caught us on this one. Let's use your computer for a while. Nothing has changed. And they're doing it under cover of the Russian Federation. And Putin loves this stuff. Maybe even the government of Russia is getting a skim. I don't know. But they love to do this and they do it all the time. The Chinese are doing it, the Iranians are doing it. And I have in that same Substack newsletter, Putin Punks America, I have a list of the major hacks in just the first four months of 2021 and it'll make your hair curl all over the world. So this stuff is going on and they can get in and penetrate. And I really believe, you know, if you look at the election in 2016 that got Trump elected, the Russians were right in the middle of Facebook. Facebook elected him. Facebook also brought about the Brexit vote. And again, they were spying on people, targeting them with misinformation to convince them to vote against their own interests. And that's how those elections, they did the same thing in France. They did the same thing in all kinds of countries in Europe. They are involved in meddling in democracies and causing mischief and division, and now sabotage of infrastructure. And so Mr. Putin's little stunt with the oil pipeline followed the bigger stunt a few months ago, and he was sanctioned for that. And I think these are both very major warnings to the United States. Don't mess with me, because I can bring you down, and they can. And so this is the kind of thing that that is really, really of concern to me. I'm, this is not this is not fiction. This is reality. Well, and this is our life. I mean, it does stretch as far as potentially treason. It's incredible uh, work, and it's dianefrancis.substack.com. And uh, before I let you go here, Diane, I did bring up a list of all the companies that Facebook owns 
purchases and has merged with. Um, the list is too long to go through on here, but I figured it seemed relevant because if you're on one, you're on them all, really is what that boils down to. So Facebook, Instagram, if you send messages on WhatsApp, Oculus VR and the video games, um, Calm, Live Rail, Threadsy, um, Audivo, Red Kicks, Parse, there is Atlas Solutions, uh, Control Labs, and uh, so much more. The list is literally so long it's scrollable. So, um, you know, gobbling up everything as they go to. So it's remarkable. Uh, thanks, Diane. I, I really appreciate the work. And again, I can't say it enough. Subscribe to Diane Substack, Diane Francis. Or just here's even better. Just Google Diane Francis Substack. You'll find it right there. You'll find it. Thank you a lot. It's the Shift Podcast. Steve Stebbing joins us from Penticton, British Columbia, the beautiful little pocket of Canada, uh, just off the shores of Skaha Lake in beautiful downtown Penticton. Uh, Steve Stebbing, how are you? I love how you set that up because it's, mm-hmm. I mean, it's it, it's exactly the truth and uh, it makes me sound so much more glamorous than I feel. Really? Oh, buddy, you should feel yeah. glamorous. Look at you. You're as glamorous well, as they come. <laughs> thank you very much (laughs) i think it's all right i think it's all good i mean hey you are a happy friendly intelligent bearded handsome holy moly you take a good picture in a dollar store kind of guy (laughs) oh well with all with with all that um, good night everybody i'm good tonight thank you (laughs) that's it tap it out um big plans for the weekend other than shows no way anything going on uh, I don't, you know, I'm not too sure, uh, cause the, the weather has been kind of like rainy around here, which is rare, but we do need it. Cause we're kind of heading into like a drier, like, of course, in the, in this alley, uh, like wildfire season. Uh, so it's mm-hmm. good that we get some rain. Like I'm okay with that. Um, I got a couple sweet screeners that I'm getting from the studio, uh, that I'll be dropping next week on the show. Um, yeah, the, I, I, I have stuff I can do for sure. And I have stuff for everybody to do this weekend for sure. All right, well, let's get started with what the hell should we watch this weekend? SteveStebbing.ca. If you want to keep in touch with Steven, he is the Steve dead. If you want to follow him on Twitter, speaking of the dead, this is the army of the Steve dead. There's $200 million in the vault beneath the strip. With a 32-hour window to get it out. Find the safe. This should be a simple in and out. It's not too late to go back. Rule number one of being a bad guy, as soon as it's a simple job, it's not a simple job, and most of your no. crew is about to die. Exactly, and this one's a bit different because it's a heist movie. It's uh, you know like a Las Vegas casino heist movie, but it's in the middle of a zombie outbreak that is just focused on Las Vegas. Uh, and this one comes from uh, quote unquote the visionary uh, Zack Schneider, who uh honestly i maybe the justice league uh, being over four hours long and 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 it kind of uh being punishing a little bit of parts uh set this movie up just enough that when i watched it 
I had fun with this movie. I thought it was actually really cool. Uh, Big Dave Batista is awesome. I like I'll watch that guy do anything. I'll watch that guy do Shakespeare. Like why not? It's it's just a just a lot of gory craziness. Zack Schneider actually uh, has the cojones to be the cinematographer on this one as well, which I I mean is a big move when you're a director and all of a sudden you're going to take over behind the lens as well like that's that's crazy uh but it makes it work uh the rest of the cast around him ella pernell uh garrett dillahunt uh hiroyuki sonata like uh the cast is really cool um there is beefy bravado and a lot of stupidity that's just kind of thrown out the window in plot lines of just like explaining it one line and trying to justify it that way so it's not the smartest thing but it is entertaining as all hell robbery inside a zombie infested quarantine zone Mm -hmm. all right sounds good um (laughs) sounds like something that uh really is going to challenge the deep philosophical thought that you yeah 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 i guess cerebral and deep right yeah it's two and a Uh, half hours long too i just gotta warn people there it's it's (laughs) come on come on zach can you we make a movie under two hours like come on man no even just too even if we can do too even we'll be all right all right, yeah, next yeah, on the list fine. with Steve Stebbing is Bloodthirsty. I think I found someone to produce my next album. His name's Vaughn Daniels. It says he was tried for murder. He was acquitted. Come in. Mr. Daniels. I'm glad you're here, Gray. This is my girlfriend, Charlie. Hi. I get the creeps. Since you got here, your music is... That's beautiful. I can smell it all over you. And something primal. You need to use that. Okay, Phil Spector. Good movie. Yeah. It's 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 not your week so far, Shane, because we got a couple of horror movies in a row. <laughs> that just, sounds more like not... it, it sounds sounds like a Phil Spector knockoff. It yeah well basically uh, and this is a Canadian movie too which uh, uh, the caliber of it really surprised me because uh, the reviews are really good for it heading into it so uh, but basically it's about a pop singer who is on the rise and decides to go work with this reclusive uh, music producer uh, up in his uh, wood uh, his cabin in the woods and uh, through working together he starts to reveal kind of her true nature her true intentions and what she came from and it turns out she isn't something that is quite quote unquote human uh and the reveals in this one are really cool uh because the one of the really cool thing about this one is she's a vegan as well that starts to crave blood and meat and it just kind of escalates from there. I just, there's just so much deep irony to this one. Uh, and uh, there is a uh, monstrous transition in this movie that is one of the handled one of the best ways I've seen in the last like 20 years. It kind of harkens back to uh, some of the great uh, transformations like in uh, American Werewolf in London and stuff like that. Uh, really kind of blew me away. Uh, so uh, you're going to have to search for this one on your VOD, but Bloodthirsty is a good bet if you want a good, creepy horror film. I would not have taken it that way based on the the trailer. Holy moly. Okay, let's move to Blu-ray, <laughs> and as my kids would say, the Faja. Something wrong? Where's Anne? Sorry? Anne, where is she? I'm here. What's the matter, Dad? Strange things going on around us. Don't worry. 
Everything will sort itself out. Saw it in his eyes, didn't know who I was. It was like I was a stranger to him. Just did something to me. I don't know what she's cooking up against me, but she's cooking something up. What are you talking about, Dad? I'm not leaving my flat! I feel like we don't even need to worry about titles. We should just say, here's another movie with Anthony Hopkins. And he won the Academy Award for this one just a few weeks ago. So this is, uh, I, I mean, and it's a really great performance. I honestly would have rathered Stephen Ewan would have won for, for Minari just um, just because his performance was so incredible and it would have meant so much for for a, a Korean American man to win but um Hopkins plays a man kind of in the final stages uh of of his dementia as they're trying to move him out of his flat into a care home and the film is done from the point of view of Hopkins so you have that confusion kind of always running through this one people's identity the actors that play certain characters change sometimes to other actors like the, the movie constantly gives you that feeling of being in a fog and uh it it's one of the most powerful ways to to show this horrible horrible disease uh that takes so much from us uh and the final scene uh, is i i can never forget it um it just honestly ruined me uh and just it's an unforgettable film really well, Anthony Hopkins, um, I always have a couple hours to spend with Anthony mm-hmm. Hopkins, that's for sure. Uh, we've talked about this one before when it first came out. Um, Raya, say it right this time. Yeah. And The Last Dragon, because you did like this one. Let's get the clip. I believe our people can come together again, but someone has to take the first step. Now, in order to restore peace, we must find The Last Dragon. I wish to join this fellowship of but. Let's go. We'll have to watch our backs. We're not the only ones looking. Six years of searching. Please let this be it. Still as good as when it first came out, Steve. Do you love it? Absolutely. Uh, this is like a return to form for Disney animated films that, uh, I mean, I put this movie up with like Lion King and Aladdin, like the original 90s one animated ones, uh, because, uh, I mean, the story is, is rich, full of soul, full of great humor. Uh, it's a gorgeous film to look at. The sound is incredible. This movie uh, was one of those times in the last uh, over a year where I missed the theaters. I, I missed uh, getting that 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 pulse pounding uh, action in my face, and this movie kind of was really geared for you to enjoy in that that aspect. Uh, so I feel like we're robbed there, but you know, I got my shot, so I'm really close to getting back into the theaters. So uh, uh, movies like this uh, keep the blood going and really keep your interest in, in big blockbuster cinema. And uh, now it's cool that it's out for everyone to enjoy and not at that ridiculous, uh, you know, $30, $35 price. Steve Stebbing.ca. What the hell should we watch this weekend? Many people would like to claim this particular title, maybe even this weekend, although the show is called Drunken Master 2. Drunken Master 2. Don't cross his path when he's drunk. <laughs> That's actually my tagline, too. 
<laughs> yeah, right? Don't cross his path. What he can't get off the couch. uh i mean this is uh this is like jackie chan classic stuff um because it's funny because this is a sequel to a movie that was made 16 years prior uh but this one came out in canada as the legend of drunken master came out in 1994 and uh just after a rumble in the bronx where we kind of all collectively fell in love with uh, Jackie Chan as a North American audience. Uh, And honestly, I still think this might be one of his best films uh, because his whole fighting style in this, when he's not doing the drunken fighting style in this is he's doing that passive fighting where he's not really fighting you. He's just kind of fainting away from you and using other things to get in your way and stuff. And it is some of the most incredible stunt work I have ever seen and still I mean still watching it again on on this Warner Archive Blu-ray I'm still like absolutely mystified as I was in the mid 90s watching it like he Jackie Chan is the greatest martial artist and probably the greatest stuntman that has ever lived at this point I think I would say probably the case all right on TV Mm -hmm. 1971 the year that changed everything on Apple TV plus 1971 was a year of revolutionary consciousness. We were fueled by this amazing music that everyone was making. It was articulating everything you're seeing and feeling. And then we survived everything that's gone down and come out stronger. All right, tell us about it. Throwback. Yeah, this is a fascinating uh, series from Apple TV Plus where uh, it's documenting 1971, which was a really big year uh, for music and, and, and the pushing of politics within it uh, because it was just a year of strife. I mean, Kent State was around that time. And of course, uh, uh, Neil Young writing Ohio for Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young. Uh, Marvin Gaye was writing uh, What's Happening about his brother uh, over in Vietnam. Uh, uh, and uh, John Lennon was in his transition period from the Beatles and trying to figure out what to do as he recorded uh, Imagine. I mean, there are so many different stories going on, going along in 1971 uh, that are all documented in kind of uh, a simultaneous way as you're, you're seeing each of these stories told and sh- seeing how it's really shaped everything that's come up until this point. Uh, and, I mean, it's as a music buff, like just watching this was is absolutely a treat, uh, especially like when they're showing like Marvin Gaye recording that song and, uh, you know, going against producers wishes and deciding that, you know, I'm going to use my own voice as the backup voice and just keep doubling it up. And I mean, creating that signature sound, which uh, uh, just the creation of it is absolutely fascinating. All right, just quickly here, we've got to get it super quick. It's uh, Steve's Blu-ray Geek Out, which could be Ryan's Blu-ray Geek Out this week. Spider-Man Far From Home. So nice to finally meet you, Spider-Man. You're Nick Fury. Put some clothes on. Let's go for a ride. Is he going to be okay like that? Might want to turn him over so he doesn't swallow his tongue. I think Nick Fury just hijacked our summer vacation. Awesome. We got gifts, Parker. All right, so Steve, we got about ten or fifteen seconds here. Tell us about Spider-Man: Far From Home. 
Yeah, this was self-indulgent. It was a 15 bucks at uh, Walmart, so I had to get it. It was a lot of hinged on this movie. just came after Endgame. Had to pick up the pieces after uh, the huge ending of that and does it really, really well in almost like a John Hughes type, type of way. I love this movie. Thank you very much, Steve Stebbing. You have a fantastic long weekend, sir. Great to see your face. You too. Thanks for listening to The Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.